Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life. Different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo, this gives me the collywobbles just thinking about it. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to be continuing our walk through Exodus. Uh, This one is Exodus chapter 38, and this is just them finishing up the sanctuary. So uh, without any further ado, I'll just I'll dive right in. So this is uh, chapter 38, verse one in Exodus. He made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits was its width. It was square. And its height was three cubits. He made the horns on its four corners, and the horns were of one piece with it. And he overlaid it with bronze. He made all the utensils for the altar, the pan, the shovels, the basins, the forks, the fire pans, and its utensils. He made of bronze, and he made a grate of bronze network for the altar. Under its rim, midway from the bottom, he cast four rings from the four corners of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. Then he put the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to bear it. He made the altar hollow with boards. That's smart. A little bit easier to carry around. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but with boards? I thought they were burning stuff in there. Or is this the outside? Um, then he put poles in the rings, on the sides, on the sides of the altar, altar, with which to bear it. He made the altar hollow with boards. So it sounds like he made the thing out of wood and then covered it in bronze? Yeah, it says, well, here, yeah, he made the poles of Akasha wood and overlaid them with bronze. The poles, specifically, the ones that are to carry it are the ones that's just made out of wood. So they might, like, I don't think that they were, like, on the part of the altar that were being, you know, things were being burned on. It was just the poles to, like, stick in the holes and carry it around when they had to move. Well, no, he said, the my last line here says he made the altar hollow with boards. Right. The, the poles that were inserted into the rings on the side of the altar with which to carry it. So I think the poles are the it that are hollow. Or is it, does he mean hollow like it goes all the way down to the ground? Like were the ashes going to the ground? I have no idea. (laughs) That actually, you know what? That would be brilliant because then cleanup would be nice because when they left, they just just lift it up and go. (laughs) They don't have to empty it. True. Because it says the grate is halfway down. 
So that would mean that, you know, there's enough room to put a, an entire sacrifice in there. And then the ashes would just go on the ground. And then whenever they cleaned it out, they could move the altar, clean out the ashes, and then put the altar back in the same spot or just move the whole tabernacle. That would be interesting, though. I would lo- I would love to know that. If it was like hollow, when he sa- it says here that it was hollow with board, if it was hollow like all the way down to the ground, it was an open box. I've always envisioned it as like a box, but... Maybe it didn't have a bottom. Maybe it was like one of those um, rocket stoves. That's like just like a hollow tube, you know, you put oh. a little bit of fire, burns like really hot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That, that's, that's, that's interesting. But, and we talked about this before about the bronze, that bronze is uh, antiviral and antibacterial naturally. The metal itself actually does not promote bacterial or viral growth. So hmm, like that, silver, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, but silver—I I think silver is a lot softer than bronze. Bronze doesn't rust or oxidize the same way that a lot of other ones do. Like copper, you know, turns green and turns nasty, and iron obviously rusts very quickly. Um, but bronze doesn't. It's weird. It's like it just gets like a like a light film on it when it oxidizes. It's real easy to clean off. Okay, so this is verse eight. Uh, he made the laver of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. What? Like he took the woman's mirrors and made it? <laughs> I guess so. That's the first <laughs> item that he said, like specifically where the metal came from. Wow. So, well, so like, what? All right, you women that are serving at the door, hand over your mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> we need a little bit more bronze. Because isn't the, isn't the laver just a small... If I remember correctly... Hold on, let me go back to my, my little... I got, I got a little thing in my Bible that shows me all the little pieces of furniture. And some of the big pieces, too. Uh, but yeah, isn't the laver just a small wash basin? Like a stand-up small wash basin? That sounds right. Yeah. Alter of Yeah, the lavers, it's just a stand-up wash basin. It's like a little... <gasps> Is that where they get lavoratory? Lavoratory? Yes. La- that is actually like where the... they get lavoratory. Yeah, isn't that like the washroom? The uh, Yeah. Lavoratory means washroom. Or bathroom. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the laver comes from. But they're not, it's not, a, it's not for the bathroom in the church. Okay. That's not what this is about. Right. <laughs> it's, and I'm sure they'll get into this much later, but it's, it was something like the priests before or after they went in, that's what they were supposed to use to wash their hands when they did the things. Um, because they were supposed to be cleansed when they went into the temples and they did the sacrifices and stuff like that. And I believe that ritualist, it, w- it was supposed to be a ritual, but it was also for actual, you know, hand sanitizing and hand cleanliness. Cause... Right. That's interesting because other, like, other religions still do that. Well, I don't know, I guess, with Catholicism, with the water, I guess maybe they're cleansing. I don't know what that is all about. No, right? no, 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 no. That's, you're, you're right. Like, they have labors in the Catholic Church. But right. that's that's different. That's like a, and forgive me for saying this, but this is the best word I've got. It's almost like a superstitious holy water. Like they're supposed to dip their finger, the 
the per- parishioners are supposed to come in and dip their fingers in the holy water in some Catholic churches. And they're supposed to do the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the the little thing. Um, and that's supposed right. to symbolize something, you know. Um, well, yeah, but I think it symbolizes, like, being cleansed, you know, kind of spiritually right. before going for worship. Yes. You know, obviously, like, yeah, so, like, that's kind of similar. And then I know that Muslims do the same thing. They all, like, wash their hands before entering, like, their worship services, too. Do they? That I didn't know. So yeah. they have, like, a little laver before they go into the, the mosque? Yeah, yeah, and oh. everybody wash before you go in. And they also have this thing where you, like, step in with your right foot. Yeah. So that you, you know, you're intentionally thinking about you're stepping into your place of worship. So just, like, other little things, like, I'm intentionally stepping in here. I'm washing my hands to, like, clean. Wow. That's that's actually pretty neat. That this is something that, you know, they did at the temple, and, you know, people still do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that God put in into Scripture that have and that have either been warped or changed or adapted for other faith system. Other faith systems have adopted it, even though God put it in place. I mean, this is, oh man, how long ago is this? Like, twenty five hundred years ago, twenty seven hundred years ago, something like that. I, I think if they adopted it from this, if the if the principle and intention behind it, like if somebody read this. You know, because people who started Catholicism or started Islam way back when, you know, they weren't nearly as far removed from this Old Testament writing as we are now. They've just kind of like kept their traditions on longer. So, you know, they kind of probably had this story, like a lot of those still sources come from Exodus, you know, so they're just taking, they're like, what's the purpose behind this? The purpose was to being physically clean doesn't really mean anything to like clean yourself or clean your conscience or, you know, it was a ritual to remind you of something and get head in the zone before you start a worship. So it's just interesting. Like, I don't think there it's like bad that people still do that. You know, it's just like how we might nice clothes to go. Not that you have to wear nice clothes. You might dress up on Sundays, be like, I am going into a place of worship to worship and I want to set it apart. You know, things like that. It's if you say you have to do it, you have to do this, you know, that's where it can be an issue, but just like learning from, you know, what do I do that, has that same you know response to right uh, right yeah no i i agree i'm just i'm I'm just shocked i didn't know that the muslims did that um although it makes sense though because the vast majority of uh islam comes from the old testament right you know the vast majority (laughs) of it so i mean it make that makes perfect sense so this is verse nine then he made the court on the south side the hangings of the court were of fine woven linen, 100 cubits long. There were 20 pillars for them with 20 bronze sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. On the northern side, the hangings were 100 cubits long with 20 pillars and their 20 bronze sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. So it's an identical thing. So the north and the south side were identical. 100, 100 cubits would have been, uh, it's about 18 inches, so 180 inches roughly. So 100, 180 inches. So yeah, 18 inches is about one cubit. So if that's 100, oh no, that's, that's more than that. Ooh, 18 inches. Yeah, so times 100 divided by 12 equals, whoa, 
150 feet, roughly. Wow. 100, 150 feet long. Okay, so the north and the south were 150 feet long. Uh, this is verse 12. And on the west side, there were hangings of 50 cubits, so 75 feet, with 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. From the east side, the hangings were 50 cubits. The hangings of one side of the gate were 15 cubits long with their three pillars and their three sockets. And the same for the other side of the court gate. On this side that were hangings of the 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. Uh, verse 16, all the hangings of the court all around were of fine woven linen. 17 says the sockets of the pillars were bronze. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver and the overlay of their capitals was silver. What's a capital? Is it like the top of a pillar? Like the top of the pole? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's the top. Okay, wait, is that verse 17? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's why I'm like, mine does, I don't think mine even says that. Mine just says... What did, what did you say? They're top. <laughs> they're top? Yeah. We'll take it. You know what? I'll take it. Mine says their capitals were silver. It's got to be the ca- the caps on the top of the, the pillars, because if you're draping like curtains and stuff like that on these pillars you don't want anything to be ripped or or torn so you're going to make the tops you know like a dome top like my okay so for example my kids have a a trampoline right and to hold the netting up the the capital or the top of the poles is rounded it's like a rounded cap so when you hook the the cord on the top it doesn't rip it because it's not like pointy Okay. So that, yeah, that makes sense. I like yours better, though, the top. Right. <laughs> I know. A little more uh, straightforward. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use capital to mean top before. I'm going to start using capital every time, every chance I get now. Capital, <gasps> my good man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, capital of the morning to you. Capital of the morning to you. Uh, okay, so hold on. Uh, verse, eight, verse 18. Okay. So the screen for the gate for the court was woven of blue, purple, scarlet thread and a fine woven linen. The length was 20 cubits and the height along its width was five cubits corresponding to the hangings of the court. And there were four pillars with their four sockets of bronze. Their hooks were silver and their overlay, their, the overlay of their capitals and their bands with silver, all the pegs of the tabernacle and of the court all around were bronze. Whoa. So all the stakes for this thing were made of, like, bronze? Wow. That's a lot of bronze. Because these, we're not talking about 8-inch tent pegs. We're talking about, they probably had to be, like, 2 or 3 feet because you're talking about holding something up that's 150 feet long. Yeah, where do they get all this stuff? Do they really just have all this on hand, or are they, like, <laughs> trading with other people? Well, no, remember when they were in Egypt, though? We, they, they, they took all of their stuff, 
at that point. And I kind of asked this when, when we first started going through this, like several chapters, like 12 chapters ago. So were they just, because, you know, obviously it was in jewelry and, and bra- like obviously brass mirrors. Apparently the girls had pretty polished mirrors. I'm just saying, like, were, did they carry all of that from Egypt? This is a lot of metal. A ton of it. Well, yeah, and even just, like, all the linen. Did they just carry, like, folded, you know, yards of fabric? <laughs> or the dye. Maybe they made it there, but you're still talking about a lot of dye to dye that much linen. Uh, so mater- this is the materials for the ter- tabernacle. Okay, so verse 21. This is, oh, oh no, this is going to be different. Uh, this is the inventory of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of testimony, which was counted according to the commandment of Moses. For the service of the Levites by the hand of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. Verse 22. Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And with him was Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer and weaver of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and a fine linen. Verse 24, all the gold that was used in that work for the holy place, that is the gold of the offering, was 29 talents and 730 shekels, according to the shekel, of the sanctuary and the silver from those who were numbered of the congregation was 100 talents and 1,775 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Okay, hold on. Yes. A shekel, it's a weight from shekel to pounds. Okay, so how many shekels? Okay, so the gold was 29 talents and 730 shekels. 730 shekels is 18 pounds. And what's the talent? Because it's like 19 talents right. and 730 shekels. So talents must be another weight. It must be another, it yeah. Be, it's like 3,000 and so okay. many hundred pounds. 29 talents. Okay, so 29. Whoa. Okay, well, let's add these two numbers together. It was 2,000, nope, 1,940 pounds of gold. Wow. That's a lot of jewelry. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so this was... After looking all this up, talents, a ta- one talent, and, and by the way, talents are not measured the same. So like one talent means a specific amount of poundage, and as you go up, it actually means more poundage because it's not an equal, it's not an equal, it's not a one-to-one. You know, one talent equals this much. No, when you have 10 talents, it actually means a higher poundage value. Not That's so confusing. Who designed this way of measuring? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to blame this one on Moses. Here here's what we have. We have uh 29 This is all the gold. This is 29 talents 
and 730 shekels. 730 shekels is about 18 and a third pounds of gold. And 29 talents is 1,918 pounds of gold. So it's about 1,940 pounds of gold that went into building the tabernacle. Guess how much today? This is um, May 2022. Guess how much gold is worth? That much gold is worth. Just take a shot right in the dark. A hundred million dollars. No, but I like where you're going. It is 3.625 million U.S. dollars. That tabernacle was a tent in the wilderness. So up to this point, it's worth over three and a half million dollars. U.S. dollars. Honestly, that's not that surprising. There are houses where I live that are worth that much and they don't even have any gold in them at all right yeah but this this house doesn't have electricity that's true (laughs) (laughs) this is just god's house on the sinai desert floor or running water or or heated floors and built-in sound systems (laughs) okay so all right so that's the gold roughly three and a half million dollars in gold and then it said the silver from those was numbered of the congregation was 100 talents and 1,775 shekels. Wow. 1,775 shekels. That's 44 pounds of silver and plus 100 talents. Oh wow, that's that's a lot. That is six hundred or six thousand six hundred and fifty-five pounds. Six hundred thousand? no no no. Six six thousand six hundred and fifty-five, roughly. I, I mean I'm 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 So like five or six times as much as what was of gold than what there was of gold. Oh, wow. 2.4, roughly 2.4 million U.S. dollars just in silver alone. So the tabernacle on the Sinai Desert floor, God's house, first house, <laughs> God's first house, and then we're not even including the bronze because I don't even think it, 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 it's going to include the bronze here. I don't know yet. I, I'm going to have to keep going. But is what roughly six or seven million dollars right now? Although you're right, the funny thing is, is there are houses today and churches today that cost way more than that by far, right? But I just I find that interesting because we're talking about ex slaves in the Sinai desert that had this much money on hand and they just handed it over to God. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, so this is verse 26. Abeka, oh, shekels, uh, shekels of silver for the sanctuary, 775. Okay, so 26. Abeka for each man, that is half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for everyone included in the numbering from 20 years old and above, for 600, 600 and... 3,000, 
550 men from the 100 talents of silver were cast, the sockets of the sanctuary and the bases of, of the veil, 100 sockets from the 100 talents, one talent from each socket, then from 1,775 shekels, he made hooks for the pillars, overlaid the capitals or the tops, and made bands for them. Verse 29, the offering of bronze was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. So, yeah, we're still we're talking about the same amount of poundage for the brass. It was over 2,000. And he made it the sockets for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the bronze altar, the bronze grating for it, and all the utensils for the ark are for the altar. Verse 31, the sockets for the court all around and the bases for the court gates, all the pegs for the tabernacle and all the pegs for the court all around. Okay, question. Why did they get this picky? And I think I asked this last time, but this seems really detailed. Almost, almost overly so. Is this... um? Reading, like, past tense, is this them saying this is how much they had, or is this saying this is how much you need to gather? This is saying, I, I think this is past tense, as in, this is how much we needed to make the tabernacle. Like, this is what it took to build it. Yeah, so I wonder if, like, you know, there was the instructions on how to build it, and then they were like, all right, everybody give everything you can. Um, and then, yeah, they're just explaining how much it took to achieve the result, the desired result. Yeah, wow. <laughs> we brought this up last time, and I thought I thought it was it's worth a second mention, but uh, part of this discussion and and so forth, uh, David actually another tabernacle. Uh, when you read about what David did in the in all, all you know all that stuff after Saul died and they finally got the the Ark of the Covenant back and and all that stuff, Scripture actually says that he built a tabernacle for God and just you know rebuilt the tabernacle basically. So I'm wondering that's why God went or Moses in this in this case through through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, wrote this particular this detailed precisely for that maybe god knew that the tabernacle at some point was going to be destroyed and i don't know i don't ever remember reading the tabernacle being destroyed or anything like that it just seems like like at one point they brought up oh hey by the way the philistines took the ark of the covenant sorry right yeah it seems very um anticlimactic in the writing right like saul I remember Saul brought it out in his last battle with the Philistines and when he died and then the Philistines took it and that's when Israel lost it. So during all those years in between when David got it back was the tabernacle just destroyed? You, you know what I mean? Like all that silver, all that gold, was it just like ransacked? Because at this point there's no temple. No temple. Right. Probably. It probably just got... I mean, when the people stole the ark, I'm sure they 
they probably stole everything else of value. Just a thought. And left the left the linen and the goat hair behind. <laughs> and the fine linen. Yeah. Hey, it says fine linen. It's like it probably purple. wasn't that fine anymore after wandering in the desert for a really long time. Oh yeah, I guess yeah, I guess you're right. Because this would have been, been this would have been. Oh wow. This would have been, oh wow, yeah, this would have been probably a good hundred years or more after Israel, maybe even 150 years after Israel was wa started wandering around the wilderness and made this thing, so. I wonder if everything was still original or if, like, linen pieces, you know, tore and they mended them or replaced them, <laughs> or if it was the same the whole time. You know, I, if I were to guess, I would guess that the furniture never changed. That's my guess, but it's it is just a guess. I would guess that the furniture, like the main furniture pieces, probably were net. Like, I can't see Samuel before he died, like leaving it. You know what I mean? I'm sure he did something to take action to take care of it. I just can't see Samuel just kind of like abandoning it because I don't even know. After Samuel died, was there? I don't remember reading about a high priest for quite a while. There, mm -hmm. like they they were religiously destroyed. At right after Samuel died, because Saul was king at that point, and he was kind of a, no offense, a wicked king at the end. I right. hope I hope he's in heaven, but I have a feeling he's not going to be. <laughs> Although that's a lot of silver and gold and bronze. Right, I guess it is just cool. I mean, I think I probably have said this every time, but how everyone was so willing to give. I mean, I guess they'd already been reprimanded a couple times pretty strictly. So they're probably just like, okay, whatever. Don't burn us with your scary fire. Well, I don't know. When when they said, remember when they said that they gave, it says that they gave willingly. Right. So maybe they actually had some change of heart. I'm sure that, you know, God's power was not gone in their mind. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure they're like, okay, this God person means business. So much could be accomplished if everybody just had that same willing willing spirit and like servant heartedness to if everybody had that same mindset to just give willingly whatever without profit you know you're not expecting to like make money off of it yeah but they're like they were you know freed from slavery so they literally had no overhead like they were just wandering in the wilderness and God is providing everything for them and they could just give willingly without thinking like, how am I going to make this back? Right. So, so freeing. Or even, or even knowing that they actually have no need for this, you know, it's not like they had to wait for wandering traders to come by to feed them. Like, Oh, I got to buy all your jerky. No, no. Just wait a couple days. Some quail will come in. Right. <laughs> still how it how it is like if you look at nature you know like animals just have food provided for them for free from nature you know from god where they don't have to pay for it but then they do their part you know they eat the right branches and poop on the right things <laughs> and like keep things going and it all just works out well even <laughs> what did jesus say about was was it the sparrows he said, who feeds the sparrows or something like that? Um, but right. my father in heaven spe feeds them and they don't worry about what's where, how they're going to be clothed or what they're going to eat. Or, and he talked about the flowers and. I know. Yeah. 
I know we're just so far removed from that. Like, you know, it seems so crazy that, you know, God dropped, you know, manna down from heaven or, you know, quails, but like, you know, if we had the skills, we could still like forage and gather food outside. Like God would feed us every day. Like there's enough. We just like don't know how to do it anymore. <laughs> Spread out, go all over, be fruitful, multiply, you know, those commands are, you know, be fruitful doesn't mean have a lot of kids. It means be productive. You know, having kids may be part of it, but it means be productive, do something. You know, I don't think God intended for us to live it like millions of people right on top of each other. I, I don't, I don't think he meant that. I wish more people, um, responded like, I don't like, I feel like a lot of people now, like if they're asked questions about, about God or about, you know, the, they're like, Oh, look at the, look at the Bible and let's see what scripture says about it, which is, is fine. But like, we should pull more Jesus's and be like, let's look at nature and like, look at the birds and look at the, you know, the creatures and how they, like, I don't know if like drawing said, like Paul says that we can, you know, everything about God can be known by looking at, you know, the world around us. And right. we just do that enough. Instead, like, you know, we've changed and altered nature so much. And like, instead of having dominion over it and loving it and nurturing it and taking care of it, like, you know, we were set out to do, we just kept, we just kind of messed it up. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a pastor, uh, Pastor David Ashrick. Uh, anybody, lo look him up. Almost every single thing. I I've not found one bad video yet. Humanity leaving or losing, I should say, losing modernity. And all that that means is, is he said, we have no connection with nature anymore. He said, most of us live in boxes. We eat out of boxes. We work in boxes. We drive in boxes. He said, you know, we find our food in boxes at the store. And he, he goes, most of us don't even know if we had an early frost this year or a late frost. Like none of us know, or almost none of us know that, you know, gardeners, people who actually are out there and tending their garden and taking care of it, they keep track of that stuff. Oh no, it's going to frost tomorrow. I better cover up my strawberries. You, you know what I mean? Like people who are actually connected to the nature that God gave us. Right. I know. And then instead, we're so far removed, we say things like, oh, like God gave us all these amazing, brilliant scientists and, you know, engineers that designed all these cars and boxes, <laughs> all these things, you know, from us instead of like, uh, you know, he created a world that <laughs> is, you know, created for us. Yeah. And Wait a second. Just look out your window. <laughs> <laughs> Because they were reliant on God, like 100%. They fully relied on him because they had to. That they Yeah, it, it was a large amount of people in an area, you know? So, like, they they could, you know, gather enough for everyone. And Well, um, okay, so I, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. And uh, we thank you for your holy word and what you're teaching us just through something as simple, Lord, as, as building the tabernacle and what it took to build this tabernacle, Father. I pray, Lord, that you, uh, you'll also help us when it, when it comes to this, Father, to not lose sight of what, what's most important. We love you so much and we thank you in your heavenly name. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. And this is Suzanne. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Now listen, 
just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. You know, this is going to be his earliest memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being on being on screen. <laughs> <laughs>